Well, that's good to know. <laughs> that's my, yeah, water's wet. We, like, we didn't know that already. <laughs> now, now that I know that this episode's being recorded, I won't bring up that polyamory topic again. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, people run into Google polyamory. What, what, what training program is that? I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh my brother. <laughs> training program. <laughs> oh, it's a training program. Believe that. It's a discipline for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah that's, man. Gonna, that's gonna take a lot of energy out of your day it does require some mental toughness <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's and there's some passive training and some active training <laughs> some active recovery <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna boost your hormones it's probably gonna deplete them too but you're gonna get <laughs> <to say. laughs> The cortisol that comes with that lifestyle is definitely going to kick it at some point. <laughs> oh, man. But a more important topic than that is yeah. a lot of times we, we run across nonprofits on Instagram and other social media platforms. And the, the ones that come my way, at least, are all worthy causes. But you, you can't support everything because it just dilutes things too much. And then you don't have time to look in to see whether any of this stuff is legitimate. Not every single thing. But I came across this one guy, or rather, he came across me. There's a guy named Patrick, and on Instagram, you can find him at Patrick Cares Orphanage Home. And if you don't remember any of that, just message me, and I'll, I'll send you information about him. But this young guy is a super impressive guy. He's in Uganda. He runs an orphanage there where he takes care of 16 kids, and he does this without any government funding. He's, I mean, this is his full daytime thing. And... When I look at, I mean, first of all, my dad supports orphanages is in Uganda. So I'm, I'm somewhat aware of what goes on over there. And I've been there before, so I understand the need as well. But a lot of times, the first thing that goes through your head is, is this a scam? Because I mean, right. he sent a message to a deadlift clip I put up. So when I'm sitting there reading this message going, okay, why did you post <laughs> that here? <laughs> but right. I wanted to make sure I would see it. And I did. So that, that was clever. And then I looked into what he's doing. And I really liked what I saw, I, you know, just looking at the pictures and looking at the kids and looking at what they need. And it was just heartbreaking when he would send messages such as sometimes they go for days without eating because they're not getting enough funds coming in. And that to me is totally unacceptable. It's, un, it's unacceptable that kids anywhere are going several days without eating, especially when there's things that those of us can do about it because we're not, we're not getting them expensive meals. They're not buying them expensive meals, rather, when you make a donation. You make a donation, you're going to get them some rice. You're going to get them some what they call ugali out there. You're going to get them some juice. And when you look at how happy these kids are with just that, they're eating. They're like, oh, we got a meal today. That just makes their day. So, right. I mean, they're happy with so little. They're happy with some decent clothes, some food in their stomach, hanging out with their friends. That once you look at this guy's page, it's hard not to make a donation. In fact, I, I shared a picture that he sent me after after I made my first donation. He sent me a picture of all the, the, the kids holding this sign and how grateful they are. And I posted that. And a bunch of my customers made donations right off the bat. And then he made pictures for them as well. And oh. man, I mean, that that's it's it's just a, it's just a really nice feeling when you support a guy like this and you see where it's going. I mean, if you make a donation today, he'll show you where that money is going. He goes, hey, thanks a lot for the donation. I went and bought the kids new clothes. I went and bought them enough food for the rest of the month. 
little things like that. I mean, they don't even have running water over there. They're, they're, he's trying to raise funds to build a well so that they don't have to share water with the cows and other animals they have on site. Right. And just think about that. And when you think about, you know, some of these big corporations that call themselves, you know, nonprofits here in America, you know, when you make that donation, do you really get to see where that donation, where it's going? <laughs> do they let you know, like, Hey, Mike, thanks for donating this. And here's so-and-so that they're doing it for this, this, and this. No, you don't. You just hope you just have, you just hope that they're doing what they say they're going to do with it. And, you know, you just keep it moving. But, uh, so when it, you sit there and you have someone that actually validates like, Hey man, here it is. <laughs> and like we said, you know, like if it were a scam, like it's a very elaborate scam because he's, <laughs> he's consistent. And he's doing this. And what I was telling you, you know, here's the thing though. He has 16 kids that are, that are not his. It, it's, you don't have time to scam when you're dealing with 16 children, man. Yeah. I was like, come on. It's not easy. Like I told you, I said, all you got to do is ask your favorite rapper or your favorite athlete, you know, what that's like, you know, having that many kids. It like he's in his early 20s. I mean, so to be such right. a guy at such a young age, he could just say, look, I got I to I focus things to on do. myself. <laughs> I got to go to university and whatever else is like, I don't have time for this, you know, but yet there he is. So these kids too, he's not just trying to get these kids fed and put some clothes in their back. You know, those are the the obvious necessities they need right now. He's already thinking their education, how they're going to, what they're going to do when they get older, they're going to go to college or they're going to pick up a trade. You know, he's already thinking of all those steps. That's where he wants to lead these kids. He doesn't want them dependent on him for the rest of their lives, but right now they're kids, you know, so they need help. They, they, it's hard for them to survive on their own without an adult that cares. And these are all orphans that I don't know the circumstances of each orphan. It would be interesting to hear their stories for yeah. sure. But when you look at how happy they are with so little, it makes you embarrassed by the things that we often complain about. And I include myself in that. I'm, I'm certainly not above complaining about dumb shit. But when, but when you hear in, in America where a food is so abundant in America that we actually have the luxury to complain about a meal, we can actually say, oh, that meal sucked. Right. Knowing that we can just get another meal in a couple hours. You know? Yeah, like I said, you, you, know, you go to this place like, oh, man, the, the food here sucks. The service sucks. I'm never coming here again. Let's go eat somewhere else. Okay, right there. You had an option to go eat somewhere else. <laughs> I mean, what the kids are eating, if you look at, I'm looking at one of the photos right now. Now, what these kids are eating, the average person would be, oh, that meal sucked. I guarantee right. you kids are thinking that because you know what? No meal sucks when you've gone a long time without eating. Yeah, Any- exactly. exactly. After a while. <laughs> or, things that, or things that when you buy a meal, even a fast food meal, and the, the things that you get as a side item is a main dish for them. Right. <laughs> you know, like, would you like a side of rice, rice with that? Nah, I'm good. No, I'll, I'll take fries instead. They're like, okay, cool. It's like, come on, man. So yeah, it's little things that, you know, that we take I mean, for granted. About supporting because a lot of times people are on the fence about any nonprofit mm-hmm. and people shouldn't have reservations about organizations we've brought up such as Project Child Save and Melia Kaplan's Voice for the Animals, because these are great people doing awesome things. And I think Patrick's in that category as well, because when, if you donate a hundred bucks tonight, you're going to see where that hundred bucks goes by tomorrow because he's, he's not going to just take that money and put it in the bank. He goes, great. I have a hundred bucks. Now I can do these things for the kids. 
he wants to get it. They're, they're still under a lot of COVID restrictions out there. So the kids have to be indoors quite a bit. So he's trying to get a TV set up so that he can give them educational programming and some entertainment as well. And he's already thinking several moves ahead. He's not sitting there going, yeah, let me just raise a lot of money and then I'll figure out what to do with it to help these kids. Now he's, everything is focused. And that's actually a very clever way to raise funds because the more precise you are with where that money's going, the better. If you say we need to raise a thousand dollars to build a well so that we have clean water, that's very specific. Now you understand right. what it's going to. Exactly. So, because again, you can see it. He'll show you, you know? Yeah. That's the cool Whereas, thing about, you know, what's funny about Instagram and other social media websites is that people often complain about them going, Oh, you know, people are so narcissistic on Instagram. I'm not going to lie. We have to, and <laughs> we've been there. The people that you follow are, yeah. sure. but there's people like Patrick on Instagram as well. There's people that feed animals in different countries, yeah. breed animals in India and South America, you name it. There's people doing a lot of great stuff in America and these people yeah. are on Instagram as well. And I see what they're doing every day because those exactly. are the kind of people I follow. And they're not, and they're not getting their shine, you know, whereas some, some idiot is like jumping up and down on a car and going through a windshield on TikTok as he's played over and was going viral. They, everyone's seeing that and, you know, sharing it or whatever. So every now and then, you know, you, why, you know, why not throw something, you know, throw something worthwhile in the mix of all that. No one says it's be 100% serious all the time because yeah, it can get depressing too. You know, there's, but there's a balance in that. But I think a lot of times we get a little too entertained, you know, when it with social media or what kind of sucks with those algorithms that those algorithms will favor more of the silliness than the more serious things out there. Unless it's a serious issue that can end up kind of pitting people up against each other. But otherwise, you know, a lot of times stuff gets buried under that because not enough eyes and not enough likes are happening at that time. The way the algorithm, the algorithm doesn't even care. It's just saying like, oh, yeah, but this, the, the dude that just fell down in a hole, you know, busts his ass on a skateboard, you know, people keep clicking on that. So that's what it's going to favor. So it helps to kind of, you know, when we're in these situations, we see, we come across accounts like this, you know, the share that info because otherwise we probably wouldn't even know that this was going on. Right. <clears throat> because, I mean, after a while, your timeline gets bombarded with so much stuff, man. So much stuff. There's so much, so many things going on. But, um, so, yeah. So, definitely, you guys check that out. Um, tell them, um, like, what's the account one more time, Mike? Does Patrick Cares Orphanage Home? And not the best t- <laughs> not the best t- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, it's, it's, you're almost, almost like okay uh, it's almost like yeah. you're not finished i'm like what else <laughs> you could have just been patrick's orphanage we understand you care that's in that's important or maybe the orphanage the orphanage home is called patrick cares <laughs> no so. i think uh, patrick cares orphanage home is what it's no, I think that must be what it's actually called. Yeah, yeah. so that's that that that's makes more sense. But it yeah. it just it just, it just looks funny when you have Instagram and you have to, and you only allow so many letters. Right. So it's like it's like at Patrick Cares Orphanage Home, you know. But the, where there's no punctuation, it's like okay, it's some random words being thrown here together. <laughs> that, I, that. I tell you what, though, you scroll through this guy's page and you look at what he's doing to help these kids and where yeah. the money's going and all that. It's it's really hard not to get yeah. behind to support him to turn your to turn away from that right go, well sorry to hear about that good best of luck to you right because i'm telling you man i mean if if 
one person decided that he wants or she wants to donate a hundred bucks a month, that that's enough money to feed that's the kid for a while. Now that, that may yeah. be enough to feed them for an entire month. Now, not an ideal diet. We're talking about just subsistence here, but that's better than nothing. <laughs> you know, right. It's, be, it's better than starving, okay? <laughs> some juice. It's like, yeah, motherfucker, because that's all this guy can afford to give them. All right. right. So, you, what do you think he's going to, you, you think he would love to give them balanced foods? Of course, meals, of course he would. But he has to think of 16 kids whenever he goes right. out and feed for them. He has to think of, okay, what can I do to feed 16 kids for a week, for two weeks, for a month? Right. Yeah. So, and understand a little, and a little goes a long way. So don't sit there and feel like, oh my God, I can't right now. I'm like, I don't have a hundred dollars to give Mike. I'm like, okay, but 10, $10 goes a long way in this situation. And especially if 10 of, 10 of our listeners are giving $10, there's that hundred. Boom. Well, done. Make it a regular monthly donation, 10 bucks a month. That adds up yeah. real. Hey man, never underestimate the power of compound interest. Okay. Yeah. Compounding goes a long way. It is. Like I say, even Albert Einstein said it's the eighth wonder of the world. Okay, so well, then that's another fun topic is just investing and financing, understanding finances. Because I just I don't know why this keeps popping up. Jesus, you know, everything is connected. Your computer, your phone, and yeah, I, hey, that's 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 Apple, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's one thing about it. That's what makes them the company that they are. Make them worth what they is because they have you inside this 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 ecosphere of all their products <laughs> you know this is like a voluntary imprisonment <laughs> or it's like you join this this it's like the best federal prison ever like it is like a vacation you're sitting there but the thing is you're all locked inside here <laughs> so you can't really and any of communication anything outside of apple products is really jacked up and it's very discouraging so you to the point where you're like ah I, i'd just rather not <laughs> so so quite quite the branding that they've done, you know. Yeah. Well, one thing I, I watched an interview with that guy, the Wall Street Trapper. Is that Wall what Street Trapper? Name? Yeah, Wall Street Trapper. Yeah. yeah, Wall Street Trapper. So anyway, one thing I liked about what he said is he goes, "Look, here's what wealthy people do. What successful people do is they they own businesses, they invest in stocks, yep. and they own property." Yeah. <laughs> you know? I go, I yeah. like that. I like that because it sounds very basic, but how many people fall into that category? Not too many, but uh-huh. there's, those are three common traits of people that have money. You know, anyone you talk to that's good with money, they're going to be doing those three things. That's, that is the key to wealth and also a key to generational wealth. So you're going to have something to pass down to, you know, to your offspring to come after you. Cause otherwise just sitting there and working for a paycheck. And like I said, no one's talking down on that because some people that's where they are right now. But here's the thing you got, you know, my thing, take a good look at what you, you spend your money on after you pay bills. And, you know, of course, when it comes to investing, first thing, you know, any, Anyone in, in investing with their weight and gold, the first thing I tell you to do is pay yourself first before you start paying your bills. And I know that's a scary thought. You know, you take that check and the first thing you do, you take a percentage of that and you go ahead and you put that in something that's going to go out and work, for, you know, make those dollars work for you and, and go make money for you. So let's just say I'm taking some very minimal that we can all just kind of agree on. Let's say you take, you make a hundred dollars that week. Okay. Well, first things first, you're going to take 10% of that and invest it before you take the next part and start paying bills or whatever else. Because if you start off just paying those bills, or whatever, then you're going to say, well, I invest once I, you know, take care of my bills and I'll have something left over. 
Well, then everything else starts to happen after you take care of the bills. Once you pay this, made this payment, made this payment, then next thing you know, you got something left like, oh, well, now let's go out to eat, you know, because everybody's hungry, blah, blah. And then you go out and do that. Oh, now all of a sudden you're out and, hey, let's stop here because I need to get this. I need to get that. And then by the time you're done, you're left with maybe a dollar or two out of that hundred. And now you, and then in your mind think like, well, I can't do anything. I can't invest a dollar. Where am I, where am I even going to put that? Who's going to take it? And then you say, oh, you don't worry about it. And then what you end up doing, you'll end up either carrying it over to spend the next week on the next paycheck. So then you have $101 or what you do, you just find some petty BS because you're like, this is a dollar. What can I do with this? Oh, here's some, something stupid. I can just go ahead and just spend this off because I don't want it to deal with a dollar. And so next thing you know, you have nothing. But here's the thing about that. You truly do have nothing because five years from now, are you going to even remember where you went out to eat or whatever those things that you were paying bills on, even minus the necessities, like just say electricity and all that. But those other things, those other bills, you had credit card bills and all that. Where is that thing from five years ago that you spent that on? Do you remember the day that you spent that hundred dollars on that? No, you won't. And then what do you have to show for it? Is, is it, is it making you money still? Is it, is it working for you? No. So it comes to this point where you, you know, it helps to start moving more and more away from being a consumer to being an investor. And you don't have to be the typical, you know, white guy on wall street to be, you know, an investor. Anyone can even, like I said, over time, that little 10% each week, it, it, it adds up. Like I said, compound interest. If you need to see how much that, how much of a difference it makes, you know, there's a lot of compound interest calculators online that you can go on online and t- just tap in like, okay, I'm gonna start off with this amount and this is how much I'm gonna contribute every week or every month or every, you know, every or biweekly or whatever. And then over this certain amount of years, you'll start to see, you start, when you really start to see it in front of you, then it becomes a little bit more real than just sit there and hear about it or whatever. And what ends up happening, most likely you'll even do even more because it's just like training. It's like training. You know, for some people that have never trained before or they've been away from it or whatever for a long time, you know, of course, one of the hardest thing is getting started. It's doing that. It's that first day. Yeah. You know, even if you've been training, just starting a new program because, hey, man, you, you've been doing this one way of training and then now you've mastered it. And of course, you're going to get comfortable with that. And then the whole issue of starting a whole new training program is now you're back to day one again. You're back to being a beginner. You're back in that awkward phase. You're back feeling a little inadequate because you you don't feel as strong or as, you know, in this matter of flow like you did before. You know, so, of course, it's a little undaunting, you know, undaunting or whatever. So this is no different. You know, it's always that first step. It's, it's, it always comes down to that first day. Oh, you know what? F it. I'm going to do it. And then that's all, that's where, that's where the action is right there. Just doing it. And then after doing it, the next thing is being consistent about it. And then one thing about being consistent about it, after a while you get into a flow. It just becomes, it just becomes something that you do. It's like breathing. You know, you don't sit there and figure out, trying to understand like how many breaths you're taking right now. And you know, how many times you breathe in the last 10 seconds or why you've been listening to, you know, my dialogue right now. No, you don't. You just, it's just something that you do. And that's what this ends up becoming. This is where the, with some of the most successful people, this is why they are successful. You know, and notice I've never said rich because there is a difference between being rich and being wealthy. You know, rich people tend to do a lot of things I just spoke about, about the person that works hard and just lives paycheck to paycheck because rich people are consumers as well. They're, they're all about buying the things, buying the things because they can. But 
eventually it's not sustainable if they're not investing and in, in actually trying to be wealthy and then also creating something that they can pass on to someone else and, and keep it going. You know, a lot of times you got to get beyond yourself. Like, you know, of course, a lot of us think of our kids like, hey, I want to, I just don't want you to have to struggle like I did, blah, blah. Well, here's one of the ways you can do that is helping your, your children, even if they're not your biological children, if you're just a mentor to a kid in your neighborhood or something like that, even just becoming financial, financially literate and passing on that information to them. Because, hey, here's one thing I know about, you know, the, the school system, especially here in America, they're not teaching financial literacy in the public school system, not consistently, not on in every grade level and not in every, in every community. Okay. So it really is up to us to have to be able to do that. And at this point now with computers and the internet and all this other stuff, there's no longer an excuse. You know, you have, you've got your mentor in your back pocket. You don't have to sit there and, and hope to intern for somebody or whatever, and hope you can just, spend, you know, run up to somebody and like, Hey, I want to pick your brain on this, that, and the other, and try to buy some time with them. And so, you know, all that, you don't have to do that because there's so much information out there. It's all about just, Hey, being very, be very intent and specific about what you're trying to learn and then just go and just, man, you'll go down that rabbit hole when you're really serious about it. And all the things that you thought you'd never find out will just start coming to you. That's what focus does. You know, when you're ready, you know, of course, the teacher, the teacher will appear, you know, as the saying goes, when a student is ready, the teacher will appear, that will happen. And then they just realize whatever information you're learning, that's not your information to keep, you know, pass it along, someone, pass it on to someone else, you know, because the more you give, the more you're going to get, but don't do it necessarily. Don't just try to give with the intention of getting something in return, because then that's disingenuous and it doesn't really work like that, especially in the long term. But yeah, yeah. business is <clears throat> I was always a strong believer in just putting out content, putting out a lot of free content. <clears throat> that was a way to establish value without having to waste time trying to convince people over and over again. And what I mean by that is if you have 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 articles on a variety of topics that are of interest to people visiting, that's doing the selling for you. People are reading right. that article and buying into you. You're, you're not personally involved after you put in the effort to write the article and post it. I have articles right. that I wrote well over 10 years ago that I still get new people off of. Like, hey, I read your article on bodybuilding.com. I go, bodybuilding.com? I haven't written for them since 2004 or something. But the articles are still there, and people are still seeing it. Uh, not a lot, <laughs> but yeah, it's right. still you know? So that's, the, that's somewhat the compound interest of uh, content also has yeah. a compound interest component. Mm-hmm. Because it's the gift that keeps giving. Exactly. And I think, you know, you said a word right now. You said value. That's one thing about it. Think about this. Really, I feel like, in my opinion, you know, I feel like everyone should try to focus on being a person of value. So, and and don't sell yourself short. There's something about you. There's something that you know. There's some information you come across that make you valuable. Everyone is valuable. Okay. So just, there's, there's something that you can contribute just to make with not just your life was another life a lot better even if they, they never meet you you know like man we may never meet these kids ever that patrick is helping out over there oh yeah but you know i mean look man my my wife and i we've sponsored kids to you know save the children for years you know and you know we get letters from them yearly and everything but you know we've literally watched them grow up to to becoming adults and, and now they're going off to university and things like that but it's, one thing about it is like 
we may never meet them in person ever, but we feel like we're family with them, you know, just, and they're so grateful. They've been so grateful just for that, that little contribution, you know, I say little contribution, but it's a lot to them big time. It's really helped them out. I mean, because look at the alternative. No one was there to help them. When you really think about it, when you read their stories and where they come from. So again, it's not even so much about like, okay, well now I'm doing this. I, you know, I have to see you. I have to meet you. Like, nah, my thing is like, you good. Cool. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to know that I'm helping to make your life better because somebody out there did things to make my life better, whether they know it or not. Even just this information, like we're talking about Wall Street Trap. I don't even know this dude personally, but he's one of these people that was very instrumental just from the content that he puts out because this dude kills it with content. He's constantly putting out good, good, I wouldn't say free information, but just great information that's accessible to everyone that can get on the internet. And it's really helped me with my re, I guess you say my re-entry back into the world of investing. Okay, because I've done it before when I was younger. But again, sometimes we're getting things that you know, we're, it's too soon. It's too soon before we truly see the value of it. You know, things are going on. You know, the information that we took in may not have been the best at that time or or that information no longer holds true to what's going on now. So, you know, like I said, there's also this just a different maturity level to be able to comprehend the information like, ah, you even the things you were doing then that you probably still doing, you're like, ah, but I'm doing this, but I'm doing this from a different, I'm seeing it through a different pair of eyes at this point. And so it's like, it's really good to see, uh, you know, a guy like that, like Trapper, he is, I believe he is 28. Yeah, he's 28 years old, but you know, when you sit there and you hear a story where he came from, like if you go on wall, if you go on YouTube and type in wall street trapper, um, <clears throat> and for anyone that understands, like, okay, what's, what's trapping? What is trapper? Okay. If anyone says like, okay, trapping is pretty much hustling in the streets. You know, somebody's like, uh, you know, when you're in the trap, that means you're in the streets, you're out here hustling, you're out here doing some nefarious type things for, <clears throat> for the most part, you know, and this is somebody that turned their life around. And it it took a very low point in his life, you know, getting arrested, going to prison, and then, you know, thinking that, okay. And then when you hear about his, his just his backstory before he even went to prison, because it, it, it seemed pretty desolate. You know, he didn't have necessarily in the very beginning have a Patrick to grab, you know, to take him and help him out as a kid, you know, and send him on the right path. He was surrounded by just the opposite of that. And so, and so when you, you hear his story, and then you also look at what Patrick's doing. Then you see how important it is when we're in a position where, hey, man, I can, you know, I may not be able to do a lot, but I can do something. And you don't understand how big that can be. That can really help change the path of someone, you know, oh, yeah. to becoming a, a, become a person of value instead of a person that takes. And so, you know, but so this guy, he learned while he was in prison, he ends up meeting a guy that was basically there for embezzlement for like a businessman who basically embezzled millions and still had millions on the side besides that was seized or whatever. But he basically was telling him like, man, what are you doing with your life? Like, well, you're doing it all wrong. And he taught him about the game of investing. Cause let's just be honest. You know, no one's a bigger hustler than the people on wall street, you know? And the thing is you can look at that one or two ways. You can listen, hear me say that and get pissed off or you can hear me say that and like, huh, but how, because let's be honest, all of us are hustling something. We're all hustling someone and something 
in order to get on our lives, get on with our lives. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. If you are a business owner, if you are an entrepreneur, you're hustling someone. You know, you're not necessarily not doing it in a negative way, but what you're doing is you're trying to sell a product. You're trying to sell your services. You're trying to, you're trying to show that you are a person of value. So that person buys into it. And then you hopefully, and we're going to talk about that. Hopefully that person is going to buy into what you provide and see value in that and not be greedy and stingy and just want to keep it for themselves. And they're going to take that and share that information with someone else. And someone else is looking for that same type of value and whatever that thing is that you can provide. And then the word gets out and it spreads. And next thing you know, you know, your business is picking up because people have seen value in that. With all, it all started from the hustle, man. You had the first thing you had to do is you know, go back to what we talked about a few episodes ago. You had to bet on yourself. So even that right there is a hustle because it's really easy to talk yourself out of doing something, you know, that, that's going to help you out. That it's, it's really easy to talk yourself out of being great because it's really easy to be negative. It's really easy to say, ah, that probably won't work. But you actually have to hustle your negative side to shut the hell up and give yourself a chance and show yourself what you can do. And then once you do that, you're like, well, hell, I'm not going to keep this to myself. Let me show these other people what I can do. Let me get them in on this on this gig. Let's get them to buy into me like I bought into me. That's the hustle, baby. That's what it is right there. So it's like I said, there's there's too many negative connotations around hustling. Now, the real thing is don't be shady. Don't be shysty. And don't be a crook. Okay. Now that's a whole different thing. Now there's those, there are those on wall street, but there are also those on main street and there are those on your street that are the same way, but there's still people that also that are a value that are out there hustling or whatever in those same locations. You just got to choose which part, which side of the street that you're going to be on and which door you're going to walk through and, and pretty much what you're going to take from that what you're going to absorb from that and how and what you're going to put out there once you get that information and you get inspired. You got to find what's of value to you. And is that something worth value of sharing to others? That's how you have to look at it. Don't worry so much about the ones who are doing the shady stuff. If you're not a shady person, you shouldn't give a damn. You just try to avoid those people. But at the same time, do your best. With, you know, if you can keep protect someone from those shady people, like, Hey, then so be it. You know, that's kind of your duty yeah, to do that. The best hustle is legit hustle, as Ice T Right. And, uh, you know, sometimes you come across <clears throat> information that's really useful for people that you didn't realize would be because you didn't realize yeah. what people think about stuff. I mean, there's a drug called finasteride, and a lot of men take this who are experiencing baldness. And it can be effective for that. But here's the problem. Here's the caveat is that it obliterates your DHT levels. And DHT is way more important than testosterone for sex drive and erections. Mm -hmm. So what's a common side effect with men that have taken this drug, especially for prolonged periods of time? (laughs) What I just said, it destroys their sex drive. And sometimes it takes a long time to normalize after using it. Some never normalize after using it. Years later, they're still experiencing the negative ramifications of this. Yet very few people know what I just said. I get people emailing me all the time going, hey, can I take your testosterone booster with finasteride? I go, don't even bother taking my testosterone booster because the negatives of what you're going to experience from taking finasteride are so pronounced that it's a waste of money for you to even bother with my T-booster. I've said that to people many times. I could easily just say, yeah, yeah, sure, man. It'll be a great combo just to take the business. That's how bad finasteride is. Now, Dr. Gordon's talked about how 
And he's not the only one. Other doctors say that if someone takes finasteride, they should take TRT as well to avoid the negatives. And that makes sense. But there are a lot of people that don't need to take TRT that take finasteride. <laughs> you know? So now you can take TRT to a, because of the, to, as a preemptive measure <laughs> the negatives of finasteride. And I go, how about this? Just don't take finasteride. There's other things you can now people are going, well, look, it's easy for you to say, Mike, you have the head full of hair. You're not going bald. I was like, that's true. You know, lucky me. <laughs> but, but also what you can do is you can take a, a certain shampoo that blocks DHT's affinity for your hair follicles. So it's not going to lower DHT elsewhere. It's just going to lower the affinity for DHT on hair follicles on your head so that you in, in effect block the negative effects of having optimal DHT levels. Now, also what people have to realize is that your DHT is only going to cause hair loss, increased levels of DHT. It's only going to cause hair loss if you have a genetic proclivity for hair loss that's pre-existing. So you may, it may accelerate that process. So you're going to lose your hair anyway. You may lose it a little bit sooner if you enhance your DHT levels. But I can tell you this, most men, if they have to choose between whether they actually have a functioning dick and a sex drive or a, a head full of hair and no functioning dick. <laughs> Most people are going to go with the fucking, the sex drive. He's like, you know what? Like, hey, I, man. Okay? I know I can rock that look. <laughs> no problem. You know what? Hair plugs sound pretty good now. <laughs> <You know? laughs> hey, man. <laughs> like They're doing miracles with hair plugs now. He's like, come on. <laughs> so, but yeah. <clears throat> Now that shampoo you're talking about, like, um, is that like, wh- like what, what shampoo is that? There's a couple of different brands out there. There's one called Durkos, which is hard to find now, but I mean, if you type in DHT shampoo, a, a bunch of options will pop up that are good options. Okay. And a lot of times people that use anabolics use these shampoos to, as a way to preemptively block any potential hair loss effects of certain compounds they're taking. Right. Like I said, it won't have the systemic negatives of taking something like finasteride. You know, finasteride is, I, I, to me, it's people shouldn't even be putting that product out there. Doctors shouldn't even be prescribing it, in my opinion. The, the, the negatives are so pronounced, it's, it's ridiculous to me that that's yeah. an pharmaceutical. But then I, I have to wonder because a lot of times, do these doctors even know that? <laughs> Some of these doctors, do they even know just how? you know, those effects like that, like they should even be prescribing this. You mean they, they, they should know. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we know they should, but you know, you know, some of these doctors, they, once they, once they're done with the, all the studying and what I mean, cause look, that's the reason why so many don't really go with just more natural, like say a natural addition to whatever treatment they're talking about, whatever field they're in, because they just really, they stop studying. They stop, you know, you know, looking into these things, going any deeper. They get into the, again, they get set into a way and just like, okay, this is what we've always been doing, blah, blah. And they may know the updates on whatever treatment they've been doing or whatever, like, oh, here's how they're doing this now, instead of also looking at things that could complement it or actually be a better alternative to that, right. you know, because again, a lot of times, you know, some would just say they just don't have the time, but I'm just like, look, man, even in the field that I'm in, even when I'm doing personal defense and teaching that, I find the time to keep learning about, you know, new things, okay, you know, and new laws or whatever else, because I owe that 
to any student that comes to me. I, I, I'll make time. Uh, when it comes to investors, like there's so many things out there, whatever. But when I start focusing on a certain area, um, and then I start seeing that, oh, there's also this that's going on, let's just say in crypto. You know, it's like, of course, first thing you say crypto, a lot of people, if they even heard of it, they'll think Bitcoin. They think it's the same thing. Just like anytime someone sees a brown soda, they call it a Coke. Doesn't necessarily mean it's Coke. It's just Coke is such a good branding with brown soda. That's the first thing that comes to your mind. So anytime you talk about cryptocurrency, all people think about is Bitcoin. They think Bitcoin is everything in cryptocurrency, you know. But when you start thinking about other aspects of, you know, you know, you start thinking about Ethereum and people are like, what is that? Or you start thinking about Cardano and all these other alt. What are altcoins? What are alt- alternative cryptocurrency? You know, and you know all these different things. You start going in that rabbit hole, you kind of owe it to yourself to learn about these things. So you're not just stuck on this one thing, because at the end of the day, then you come to realize that, okay, yeah, when you talk about cryptocurrency, Bitcoin is the thing that most that comes to most people's minds. They're even familiar with that. But you also see how inadequate it is to do the things that everybody thinks that crypto is going to do. You know, you'll see how inadequate Bitcoin is to be used as an everyday currency, (laughs) you know, but but it's being probably. You know, people just get into the space, start making it seem like, okay, this is the currency of the future, Bitcoin. I'm like, yeah, it's not, it's not the most practical, <laughs> not for the things that you want to do, especially on an everyday basis. And that's when you start going that hole. You owe it to yourself to learn about those different things. Otherwise, you'll be telling, you'll tell everybody, yeah, you need to invest in Bitcoin. I'm, I wouldn't just tell everybody to do that. I said, you need to learn about it if you're going to invest in that you know, start there and get an understanding and then make the decision for yourself. I'm not going to tell you to go do it because first of all, I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not at liberty to tell you to go invest in Bitcoin. But I say it would, you would do yourself a great service by learning about it and then looking into all the other things that are built around that space and going from there. Just like, yeah, I love deadlifts. You love deadlifts, but I'm not going to sit there and just tell you that's all you need to do. <laughs> now, out of all the exercise you can oh, think no. of, it, no. it can do a lot. Although, if a lot of people, if that's all they did, they would. Really <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's all I say. I said, now, even though it pretty much can cover anything you pretty much can think of, you know, for the most part, but I'm not going to say this be the end all be all because then you're going to, there's going to come overtraining. There's going to be things that after a while, you know, there, there's going to be some diminishing returns, <laughs> you know, and then there's other things you could have done to supplement added on to that that would have made your deadlifting even better. You know, than just doing deadlifts by themselves. Yeah, for the average person just getting in. Yeah, great start. You know, but let's just say you're 10 years into the game consistently training. And that's all you did was deadlifting. Well, first of all, good luck. Because I'm like, how how much have you advanced in 10 years? You know, and that was it. That's all you did. And I got to ask, like, what else came along with that? So it helps to, like, think about recovery and things like that as well. Oh, Definitely. It was funny little di- little di- little uh, diversion divert path here is if some if all someone did is actually deadlift right let's say they did it five days a week you don't train to failure you do a couple sets of five and you just focus on getting really good technique and mastering that move yeah is that the sad commentary about that is that I promise you that person would probably have the the, the positive impact on the on this person's physique and certainly overall body strength would probably yeah. be more pronounced than anything they've achieved in the last five years. Yeah. And that's more of a comment sad commentary on how the average person doesn't know how to train than the merits of the deadlift, but it's <laughs> right. <more>. right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
because people waste so much time with distraction. Other sh- just so just just com- <laughs> muscle confusion and all that other crap. I'm, I'm like, well, I'm like how do we ignore the how do you ignore the word confusion in that phrase? <laughs> like really? Can you can you ever just can you just imagine applying that theory to everything any other aspect of your life? So you okay when it comes to working out, you know you want to have muscle confusion. When it comes to you know, having sex, you want to have a relationship confusion, <laughs> you know, cause you want to, you don't want to have the same person every time you, tomorrow, you, want, you want to get something different every time you have a sexual experience. Um, I'm pretty sure that's going to backfire at some point, some way, somehow, <laughs> you know, so I don't think it's going to be sustainable at that point. Or same thing with a job, you know, if you sit there and you work somewhere, one week and then you quit that job and you got to go work somewhere else and somewhere else. And you keep doing that every week. It's like, eventually like, come on, man, no one's going to hire your ass. You can't keep a job, but you keep having employment confusion because you know, it's no two, it's no two jobs are going to be the same. It's like, come on, let's, let's dial it back here and really get some focus. You find that thing and get really good at it. You're going to guess what that's going to do. It's going to take time. And again, it's going to take focus. But one thing about it, you're going to enjoy it because you're going to, you're going to have so many aha moments along the way. And that's what, that's what keeps it interesting. And yeah. So it's just kind of, it's kind of moving on to the next thing and never giving something a chance because then you'll be there. You'll end up being that person like, Oh, that didn't work. Or that, that wasn't all that because you never gave it a chance to be all that. <laughs> so. That's right. It's just amazing that if you apply basic principles in a variety of contexts, you're going you're gonna to maximize so many benefits that you didn't even realize. Like even when it comes to training, if you just did deadlifts and some presses and some pull-ups, that's a full-body workout. Do some, yeah. some squats and all that a couple times a week. I mean, just concentrating on those areas is going to have not just benefit in the gym, but it's going to improve your physique. It's going to improve your confidence. It's going to, when you're strong, that improves your confidence. And then that's going to help you be more confident in seemingly other areas that have nothing to do with training. Now, all of a sudden, you're going to take charge of that area. What else can I take charge of? Let me take charge of my finances. Because I always say real strength is a combination of many things. It's financial strength. It's physical strength. It's mental strength. It's emotional strength. And it's moral strength. Now, those are all the things that, because if you're really strong physically, but you're weak financially, then you're not really strong because you're at the mercy of circumstances. And if you're really strong financially, but you're totally unhealthy, you have this really right. crap, you're not strong either. And then if you have physical strength and financial strength, but you're just a rotten person, you're a terrible person, everyone, people tolerate mm-hmm. you because of what you can provide, but deep down, they think you're a terrible person. You know, that's not strength either. And one thing about that, <clears throat> again, it comes down to you being consistent. Consistency. It's just like, I don't know why. It's just like so much. Well, I, I kind of know why. It's like so many are, you know, adverse to consistency. But we're in a society where it's just, we're not even really consistent even when we're on social media. <laughs> you know, it's just kind of like sometimes like you you start watching like a video or something like that. And then the person's kind of just taking a minute to get into what it's about. <laughs> Cause you've seen the title. You know, I mean, you already got the, the clickbait work. Okay. You got my attention now. Okay. <laughs> my thing, if you went through the trouble to give such a good title to get my attention, get to the point, get to the point. <laughs> because so if you're sitting just kind of babbling on and on and on, and then it just becomes this, 
yap fest and like well naturally we end up moving on to something else or even if you are trying to pay attention or whatever the way that the stuff is set up if you just kind of glance if this person's kind of boring you glance a little bit to the right you see these suggested videos and then you see another title that kind of compels your attention you're like well maybe this person's going to get to the point and then you click (laughs) and so you're constantly doing that so my thing is one thing that you were just talking about that, that example you just gave Another thing that it always it all leads to is one key word, efficiency. Yeah. Another thing, efficiency, man, another thing that doesn't get its flowers, doesn't get the proper attention and, and props that it deserves is efficiency. We talk about consistency, but the, the best way to be consistent is to be efficient because you're not going to consistently do the same boring, long, drawn-out crap each and every time. You know, so the more... But the way you become more efficient is by being more consistent. So it's it's a catch twenty two. Well, here, here's, <laughs> you know, here's a funny example of efficiency. No, I take Raina with me everywhere now. She's designated as a therapy dog, so I can take her everywhere. And I've been taking her to to the casino when I play blackjack, and she does really well. She just sits under my feet at the table. She's awesome. But she gets a little antsy after about an hour, and I, I have to leave and walk her around. And this is I say this as a positive thing because I know that going in. So when I sit down at the table, I know I have about an hour. So I really dial it in. I focus my energy. I concentrate fully. I play the game perfectly. I time my bets exactly when I should be doing them. Right. And then I always – three times I've played with her, three times I've left as a winner. And hmm. – somewhat superstitious and now i gotta take her with me <laughs> until i lose with her she's have to go with me every single time but also it's a lot more fun to have her around and it, it actually is a positive thing because i'll sit at the fucking table for hours if i'm on my own right. up and down up and down up and down maybe you leave up maybe you leave down but in an hour that's enough time especially i don't play for big money but that's enough time for me to concentrate write a few good decks and I said decks, not dicks. And then leave on a high level. It's like, man, Mike, Mike was talking about writing dicks. I was like, no, I said, motherfucker, decks. I said cards. You know? oh, <laughs> I say anything wrong with writing dicks if that's your thing. You know, it could be my guest. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, that's being efficient, (laughs) being consistent, because when I play with her, I'm only going to be there for an hour. That's the consistency. I'm really going to focus my energy and time things right. So that's being efficient. So now now I wait for the optimal time. And if it doesn't happen in that hour, then I just leave, although that hasn't happened yet. So anyway, so it's fun. It's fun doing that. When I I go to the gym, same thing. You know, I I never show up at the gym and go, okay, what am I doing today? I know exactly what I'm going to do. I know exactly what weight I'm planning on using. I know what move I'm going to do. So you just go in there and it's boom, 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 boom. So you've already played the story in your head. Now you're just going to actualize it in the the real world. Yeah. So one thing about that also, that plays in so many different aspects. So even you were just saying that you give yourself an hour and then you know pretty much like, hey, I'm going to hit it and I'm out of here. <clears throat> even like we said, we were just talking about, you know, investing or whatever, even if you're, you're trading, let's just say you're a day trader or something like that. You know, over time you start to realize if you just trade just because you're trading, just because the market is open or whatever, you'll find yourself, you'll find yourself trading too much. 
you'll be overtrading, just like overtraining. It's the same thing. These things are all the same. It's like you go to the gym every day and you're spending two and three hours in there without a plan. And, and then you're just like, oh, I'm just going to pick up the heaviest thing I can each and every day. Well, that heaviest thing is not going to be the same. It's not going to be the same type of heavy each and every day because you're not going to have that strength or the recovery to pick up anything as heavy as you did a few days ago or whatever. You know, so same thing happens with trading. It's like if you're constantly trading every day, all day while the market is open, you know, you're going to run right through your money, man. You're going to blow right through it because you're not actually sitting there getting to know the trade, getting to know the company that you're trading in. You're, you're just gambling and you're just throwing, you're just spraying that, like Mike said, you're spraying the money hose and you're just basically hoping something sticks, something works. Well, you don't really want to do that because one thing about it, once it's gone, you've lost it. It's out of here. You know, so what you want to do is you want to be a little bit more efficient. So you start looking at, okay, what are the best days to trade? You know, well, of course, the, you look at the beginning of the week and the end of the week. Okay. You know, there's these cycles that work, just tend to work out and everything in between just kind of like, uh, oh, it's kind of flat, you know, but that's what, that's when the spike is because you're going into the weekend and coming out of the weekend and people are hungry to trade or it's the start of the new week or the end of the new, uh, end of the week and people are trying to set themselves up to win. So a lot more people are in the market doing stuff. A lot more people are trading. There's a lot more volume going on, you know, so. You know, so this, that's one of those times you don't really want to be in the downtime, per se, if you're trying to really be efficient and get in and get out. You know, so because my thing is I want to trade on those days where it's volume. So, therefore, I can get the results that I've already got in my head. Like, okay, this is what I'm going to do today. This is my plan. And I want to go in there when I got more and more people in the market are going to help me get to my plan a lot faster. Then once it's done, I'm done. I'm not hanging around. I'm not trying to or even if a trade didn't win, I'm not trying to revenge trade and try to get that money back. Like, no, I'm going to look at the lesson. Like, okay, what, what part of my plan did I, did I not stick to? Or what did I miss? You know, it's kind of like a fighter or even a football team. It's like after the game, they go back and watch the tape. They go back and watch film, you know, just to see, even if they won, they want to go back and see what could have been better. Or they want to see like, why did what we do? Why did it work? Did we execute it? perfectly or was just a fluke was this something else working our favor whatever and should should we do it again you know or should we should we enhance it at this point so you know even if you sit there and record yourself you know i've you know like i said there's a guy that i follow on um, um instagram on social media named ian dunlap i i feel like one of the just like right right there with wall street trapper who we were talking about earlier Ian's another guy that he's been doing this for a while he's a young guy you know he's still in his late 30s but He's been trading since the financial crisis that happened back in 2008. And just, so he's been in the game. He's, he's spent the time consistently, you know, since 2008, he was already trading before that, but especially after that financial collapse, you know, that was a perfect time to really get in and learn some things, you know, but like I said, when there's, you know, when there's blood in the streets, you know, saying that's the time to get in. And that's what was happening. Cause you know, you, you want to learn from other people's mistakes and not be the, not be the one teaching the mistakes to everyone, you know, like, yeah, you're going to have mistakes along the way. But my thing is I'm the type of person. I don't like to reinvent the wheel. So I like to go back and that's why I like to read books, like to read biographies and read people's stories to see what they've gone through to get to where they are and kind of see where I am. I'm like, Oh, I'm heading down that path too. Like, Oh, let me kind of pivot right here because I don't want to go through what, what he went through or whatever, just to get to this point. You know, when someone has already done it and I'm like, okay, well, this wasn't necessary, you know, per se, you know, what that's just going to delay the inevitable or whatever, or it's just going to, 
it's not efficient to go down this road at this point. Now that I recognize it and I'm seeing like, ah, it's really not going to be that much help by doing it this way, especially because I see what so-and-so went through with this. Like, yeah. Or you might be going down a road that you didn't even know you were going down until you read about these people. Like, oh shit, I'm hitting the same way. Okay. It's like, again, don't be afraid to pivot. But the problem is most people, as soon as something feels uncomfortable, they pivot. So there's this balance through all this that you got to figure out. Okay. But, uh, yeah, man. So like I said, just kind of getting back to everything. It's up it's by being efficient. So I've been very efficient with my trading and, you know, so therefore I can get to enjoying other things in life. I can study more about the market. I can study, I can pay attention to things that are going on around me and how they can affect the way I trade because I have that time now, or I get to spend more time doing other things I want to do. It's like, you know, I can go train, I can go hang out with my dogs, you know, meet up with some friends, you know, I can just read, you know, I can cook and do all these different things. But while I'm doing this, money is being made for me in the background because yeah. of the things that I've done, the effort I put into being consistent and really putting the effort into being efficient about it and truly learning the craft, learning the trade per se, you know, and making that money work for me. And that's what you want to do when it comes to investing. Don't just think about just saving and putting something away just so you don't spend it. Treat each and every one of those dollars like your employees, like they're your soldiers. Make them go out there and work for you while you can go, you know, just think about all of the, the top CEOs. They're not going to meetings 24-7. They got, they delegate that. We're going to talk about delegating in just a second, you know, but they delegate that to other people. Let them do that. You know, even if you want to take it from a, we can look at it from a so-called crime aspect of it. The biggest kingpins are not out on the corner selling drugs, Okay. No, what they're doing, they're toppling governments, you know, and taking their drugs and, and redistributing them so that somebody on the street level can go out there and do it for them and get them into the system and keep them constantly doing it for them. You know, meanwhile, while they're backing and financing other things, you know, they're being very efficient with their time because they put in that work. They've learned the game and they're consistently being efficient with that and not going to waste their time doing something that somebody else would much more either they want to do that job because they feel like that's the best that they can do or you kind of they kind of force themselves into doing it because they feel like they have no other alternative you know so you could be doing other things with that with your time so it's it's delegating like i said is the next lesson of the day <laughs> especially as an entrepreneur out there well hell even just as a human period you know, even your parents can be delegating a lot more. You have a spouse, you got another parent. There's a lot of things that you can do to delegate to that other parent, you know, and not feel like you have to be the super mom or the super dad, you know? So like I said, I know Mike, you want to talk about the whole delegation thing too. Yeah. I think delegation is an interesting topic because some people delegate way too soon. I worked for internet companies, for example, I worked for servicemagic.com and respond.com. I think they're both around now, but nobody cares. <laughs> anyway, let's let me backstep a little bit and talk about I'll talk about Service Magic first. Now, Service Magic got in a, a big investment from SoftBank. And for those of you around those of you around Ooh. at that time, SoftBank was a big deal. They invested in they, eBay. They're still they're still a big deal. Yeah, they're a huge deal. So when a company was backed by SoftBank, that made them compelling. So when I looked at it, I wanted to, I'm going to be honest, when I looked for an internet company to work for, I wanted to work for one where there's a possible exit strategy where I make a lot of money. And then I was going to get into the fitness business. <laughs> so one of those things ended up happening. The other did it. So you, don't, no, you don't have to guess. <laughs> but anyway, what, here's the problem with Service Magic is they're an internet company and they're basically providing leads for people in a home improvement sector. 
-hmm. Now, you don't need to pay a sales force to go out there and talk to these people. So they would pay someone like me, $36,000 base salary, which is great for sales. You know, anyone who's done sales, a lot of times you don't have a base salary or it's way lower than that. So $36,000 and the commission structure was fair. Now, I, I thought this whole strategy of hiring someone like me to physically go to people in the home improvement world and pitch them one at a time didn't make a lot of sense. That wasn't being efficient. So what I did is I put together an email, like a sales letter, and I just broke down all the benefits. And also I broke down why anyone should give this a shot because you don't pay for leads until, until you accept your first one and you pay, I forget what the fee is. So anyway, to me, it seemed like this is a numbers game. If I go talk to home service people one-on-one, it's going to take forever where I can just get a database of emails of everybody in the area. This is the Washington DC area and send this out. And that ended up being really effective. And I ended up maximizing that commission structure. And I don't know if it's because I maximized it, but coincidentally, about a month or two later, they revamped that commission structure where now you had to sell a lot more to make the same amount of money. But here's where I'm going with this whole story. They hired a sales team that they didn't need. You know why? Because they got a lot of money. So when you get a lot of money that you didn't earn, it's easy to be really inefficient and delegate too much. And that's exactly what they did. And this is one of the reasons why a lot of these internet companies failed is because they wanted to be a big deal before they were. So you guys have no profit right now and you're, you're spraying the money hose (laughs) and hiring people that you don't need. You don't need someone, someone, they could have hired one person to do what I did and gotten the same amount of customers as having a whole sales team of people out there trying to convince people. Respond.com, same thing. You know, this company hired a shitload of people, including myself. That look, look, you know, like when people say, Oh, you know, you sound bitter about working for other people, I go, No, I, I wasn't bitter. You know, honestly, I thought I was overpaid because at respond.com, I'm making $65,000 a year guaranteed. And then there's, there's bonuses for closing big deals, which no one ever did. But you know, that, that possibility was there. But I did not generate $65,000 worth of revenue for this company. And that's not even taking into account the medical insurance and all of that, which is, that's pretty expensive. That's pretty expensive as well, because you get way better medical insurance when you work for someone else. Right. (laughs) Depending on what you're prepared to pay. So, I mean, so that, that whole thing was a disaster as well, because you're paying me $65,000. You're paying several other salespeople, either that amount, maybe more, maybe less, depending on what they negotiated before any of us have made a dime for you. So that's delegating way too much, way too soon. Right. And these companies never made it. Now, someone will say, well, look at Amazon. You know, they sprayed the money hose for years and years. Yeah, they sprayed it for decades. And eventually, they, then not only did they become profitable, they became this huge company that they are but that yeah. but there were a lot of companies that tried to play a similar game and it didn't pan out the same way but, but here's the thing but here's the thing about amazon it's like amazon kind of took that whole uh, kind of took a basically to put it like this Com- well companies in there directly hiring employees and having too many you know having all that overhead and and too much payroll has been their detriment and they end up failing Amazon didn't necessarily have to do that because the majority of the the employees 
that brought them the income was mainly all these businesses that were using Amazon as a distributor, you know? And so basically they come in, they get their fees from people, you know, these companies using Amazon to sell, you know, to sell their products or at least post their products or whatever. Amazon gets their cut. But at the same time, Amazon is also studying these companies. And then what they do, they re they sit there and they replicate the product that they see as successful and do and rebrand and have their own brand of it out there. Basically putting that employee, that business, you know, that small business, putting them out of business or at least putting it to the point where it, it doesn't make any sense to be on Amazon anymore because now people are going in and buying the Amazon version of the product that you originally made, you know, so they're, they're going for the knockoff because again, People mostly shop with their, you know, where the money is. If they can save 20, 30 bucks, 10, 20, 30, 40% on the same product with, with just with a different label, but it's giving the same effect, the same results, most likely that's what people are going to do. Most customers are not going to be loyal to something that just something just for everyday use like that. Okay. Especially something that you're getting online for, you know, from a website like that. So. And so eventually they end up doing it to the point where, hey, even the government started looking at Amazon like, hey, y'all doing too much. You know, is this, are we having trust issues here? Do we need to have an antitrust situation coming up here? But you know what? You got ahead of that as well because, you know, you got to know how to play the game when you're heading that direction. And that's a whole different story. But so when you sit there and look at Amazon as an example like that, that's where they were coming from. They were, they were leveraging themselves to be successful. Okay. It wasn't even about, you know, them over delegating. They were, if anything, they really betted on themselves and they really leveraged their position to get higher and higher. Whereas these companies, they end up mentally over leveraging. They, they mentally start thinking themselves, well, I'm going to be a big juggernaut like Amazon just because they see what Amazon's doing, think they can do what Amazon has done. But Amazon has been doing it since the mid nineties. It's 2001, folks. You know, so you're talking about, you know, damn near 30 years of putting in this. But, of course, they weren't profitable until, like, maybe less than 10 years ago, you know. So, but the thing is, they knew what they were doing. So they knew what they were doing by not being profitable. They were just getting all their ducks in a row to, they, they had the vision to see where, they, where they're going to go next. And they had their plan. They executed their plan to a T. And then once they knocked out the whole book space and all the things that came along with that. Then one by one, they start integrating into other areas and then just boom, let's take down this. Okay. Let's take over this. Let's take over this. And then eventually next, you know, they got whole foods and then now they're doing, they're doing online pharmacy and they're doing a, one by one, boom, boom, boom. They're doing home security, you know, all these different things, but somehow, some way, all these different things tie back together to what Amazon's original foundation is. Okay. You know, and again, it's about making things convenient and efficient. And at this point, doing it through the, through the net, doing it through the internet, making it through, made it easily accessible for what's perceived to be a, for, for less, for less of a price, but not necessarily less of the value per se, you know, in theory. So that's what companies have to really look at. And so don't just sit there and say, Oh, I'm going to be the next Amazon until you start reading and figuring out how these people got to where they, where they are. And then you got to ask yourself, do you really want to go that route? 
I'm going to be the next Amazon. How about the next business that stays in business? Yeah, exactly. Well, whatever your business is. So, you know, instead of you trying to be the next, you know, on nutrition, why can't you just be the, the next best fucking, you know, aggressive strength? You know, that's just like, I, I always hate when like, a, like, let's say a musician comes out or an artist or whatever, or even an actor. And someone goes like, oh man, she's the next Whitney Houston. Or, you know, like, Okay, first of all, I'm looking at the history of Whitney Houston. I wouldn't want that. <laughs> okay, that didn't end well. So I'd be like, no, I'm the I'm the next me. Okay, <laughs> I got to bring up this story. There was Whitney Houston. There was I was walking Reno one time, and there was this guy with headphones on singing to a song. And guess, mm-hmm. guess which song it was? A very famous Whitney and, Houston. And, and I will always love you. <laughs> no, it was. Hold on a second. Because I actually like, you know what? I was making fun of the guy, and then I, but but it was stuck in my head now after hearing him sing it. So I went and listened to the song for real, and I go, "That's a damn good song." You know, I don't know if I'd be walking around singing up, singing out loud. Yeah, is the greatest love of all. I mean, this guy was like, "Don't make me cry anymore." Oh, oh yeah. (laughs) Well, to my because I said um. The first song, it's from the same soundtrack. It's from the Bodyguard soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> Don't walk away from me. That's what yeah. He's, I mean, this this guy was shouting. <laughs> oh, baby, close the door. I don't want to hurt. <laughs> My man was feel, he, he was feeling that in his soul. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This guy, this guy was feeling it in his balls, man. <laughs> and it, went, it went way beyond the soul. <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> yeah, but I, you know, I hear you with that. It's like, yeah, we're going to be the next this. I was like, uh, you know how that story played out, don't you? <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, oh, don't take a bath anytime soon. Going to be the next Tony Montana. I was like, you've seen the end of the movie, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> so it does not end well, man. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm going to hustle like Nino Brown. Uh, no. <laughs> Yeah, man. So. Pretty motherfucker. <laughs> 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 so yeah, that's my thing, man. It's like you know, it's okay to have like these examples that that inspire you, but you know, the, I wouldn't go as far as trying to be the next one of them because that's already been done. Yeah, <laughs> they are who they, they're who they are. Yeah, I want, I want to be the next my own thing. You know, when I got into kettlebell training, there was no next kettlebell straw. I mean, there was Pavel, but he wasn't teaching the masses. So I wasn't thinking, oh, yeah, I'm going to be the next so-and-so as a kettlebell instructor. There wasn't anyone. Right. And I don't want to be the next anyone. It's like, I'm going to be the guy that people want to go to. Right. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get out there. and I'm way ahead of the curve. No one else is doing this, this yet at this scale, flying around the country, teaching people, going to places that nobody wants to go to. You know, I, I didn't just go to all the fun places like Los Angeles and New York City and Atlanta and places like that. I went to wherever the wherever there was demand, and you'd be surprised where it was. <laughs> right. But anyway, I went there because I didn't feel like I was too good for anything. I was like, any, any chance I had to get in front of people, I was going to take. Yeah. So my thing is, be the best of who you are and hone your craft. Again, it goes back to what we said in the very beginning when we started this whole episode. You know, be a person of value. You know, yeah. and so if you're a person of value, no one's going to give a damn about who else is in that space that you're in because if they're coming to you, then obviously they're not thinking about that other person. So why are you thinking about them? And you really, you can't be a person of value thinking about the competition. It's okay to look at your competition, kind of see what they're doing because sometimes you want to make sure you're not doing what they're doing. 
<laughs> but also you also want to make you look at the competition to see that there's actually a demand in that space that you're trying to get into. You're like, okay, does anybody even care about this? Like, oh, there's actually a few people already doing this. And okay, they're doing they're doing pretty okay. Okay. So now since they're doing okay, let me fucking do let me be great. Okay, like make sure there's some holes, whatever holes are missing in their game, then you know, hey, you know, let me listen to the people. What are the people saying? What what are they saying that's missing with this and why are they unhappy with these other services? So I maybe these are some things I can add on to the services I'm already providing, or make sure that I'm not spending so much time on something that they don't they don't care about. Because these other ones are doing the same thing and no, they don't care about that either. Because sometimes you can be the best guy in the world, but if you're still trying to put some shitty out there that nobody cares about, you're just a good guy that's doing some shitty things. <laughs> that's how they see it. They're like, man, you know what? And they're only going to give you maybe a mercy, you know, some mercy business for so long. Like, man, because there's been times where I'm like, man, this food really sucks, but I'm still going to give that waitress a good tip because she was really nice. It wasn't her fault. She wasn't cooking, you know, <laughs> but at the same time, I don't necessarily want to come back to that place. Right. So. Right. So, yeah. So think about that. So again, be a person of value again, hone your craft, really focus, be consistent, be efficient and don't over delegate. But at the same time, don't under delegate either. You don't have to be the one wearing all the freaking hats, you know? So you got to really understand, understand what you're good at and what you're not good at. Find someone that's great at it, not good, but great at it. And it really comes down to that old adage. Also, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room also. So those are like some things kind of just wrap up all this that we're talking about in a nutshell, (laughs) even though we kind of had all these different scenarios, they all come back together in that summation that I just gave right there. So, and that's not just business, that's life period, man. You know, because one thing about it, one thing we learned in the last year, time is not promised to anyone. So you definitely want to be as efficient with your time, consistent with your time and finding some value with your time as possible you know, these days, because again, it's not promised to you. So no well, one's you know, wasting I've, your time. I've been, I've been through that phase of working seven days a week, all day obsessed with building your business. And that's a necessary phase. You know, you, right. That's the way you should feel when you start a business. You shouldn't even be thinking about weekends off or vacation. Oh, yeah. That bullshit. Because four, I started, hour work, four hour work week. Like, look, what the whole you, time <laughs> I lived in Los Angeles, four years, I didn't go to a concert one time in those four years. I didn't even think about it. And I go to concerts all the time now in Vegas, but there's a difference. You know, now I'm more well-established. I don't have to right. you put in the work, you know? Yeah. But then I was thinking, I wasn't thinking of going to comedy show. I mean, I did go to some comedy shows, but I, I didn't go to a concert at all. And I'm a big music guy. It's not because I didn't want to go. It's just that I was so focused on what I'm trying to achieve. Right. But eventually you want to get to a point where forget about balance. It's more, it's about, you want to enjoy your life. And if you're working all the time, I don't care if you love what you do. If you're just if you're just focused on that all the time, you're not really living. You know, you're too no. one dimensional. You want to have other things. It's it's good to have some hobbies that you're not going to make any money off of. It's like me with skateboarding. I'm I'm never going to make a dime skateboarding unless I crash and I put up a clip and people find it funny. <laughs> and <laughs> and it, it, it goes viral and you get a YouTube that's, money. That's the only <laughs> way I'm going to make money off skateboarding is people see a guy my size on a skateboard and they, that's funny already. And then you see a guy my size crashing up. Bust his ass. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm at a time now where I want to be really efficient, like what you're talking about. So I'm very efficient with investing. I just do index funds. I'm very efficient with my business, meaning that I do certain things that provide a big return. So you're creating that passive income. Now, that allows a lot of free time for me to go enjoy life. 
to wake yeah. up and decide, okay, what am I going to do today? Am I going to work or am I going to go play cards maybe or go skateboarding or go hiking, go do something else? And yeah. that to me is real freedom. And if you're just a slave to the grind, it's, it's hard to be, it's hard to feel like you're free. And see, and that right there comes back to another thing we started talking about. What you've done now, that's, that's what compounding is all about. You put in, you were consistent and constantly putting in the work into what in your craft and in your business and just being consistent with that. That's what the compounding comes in. And now it's paying off. It's really paying big dividends now with the freedom that you have. Most people think that freedom happens right off the bat because they just decided to be an entrepreneur. Like, no, you, you're not just going to quit working for someone and, and quit working in order to think that you're going to be free. It doesn't work that way. You know, there is some sacrifice. There are some things that you have to that you have to put in to get something back. And, you know, again, like you we always talk about here the, you got to put in those deposits, man, to that account to build it up of, of life. So you got to put some things in there. You just can't keep withdrawing, withdrawing, withdrawing. Think you can keep going. So, like I said, the way we're living now, the freedom that we have now, that came from a lot of consistency, and a lot of work. OK, and a lot of focus. But what's crazy is a year from now, the things that I'm putting, even though I feel like I'm using my free time for a lot of these things that I'm learning, whatever, you know, this, they're going to still pay off, you know, just even the things I've been talking about here, you know, that's come from this past year of putting in work, you know, just feeling a little bit more comfortable to even talk about it and bring it up in a conversation. You know, I'm just thinking like, oh man, five, 10 years from now, damn, what kind of investor am I going to be? You know, I'm like, I look forward to that. You know, because I don't know everything I'm doing now is going to really set the tone for what 10, 20, 30 years is going to look like. And then even beyond that, even when I'm long gone, 50, 60 years from now, you know, and on to the next, because everything I'm doing now is because of things I've done in the last 10 years, 20 years and 30 years. All those things are now paying off to what I'm doing now. When you really sit there and think about it, even the, the things that you may have think, thought that were fuck ups. Those fuck ups are paying off somehow if I'm not still fucking up. <laughs> Obviously, I learned something in order to stop doing it, you know. So that means, hey, you know, those weren't losses; those were lessons. So, yeah. So everything you're doing right now is because of something you did 10, 20, 30 years ago. This is the compound effect of that at this point. So that's that's how it works. As long as you're breathing, that's what you're doing. You're compounding one way or the other. You know, you get either diminishing returns or you you're building building that equity. So it's really up to you. So that's all I got, man. That was nice. Yeah, I think that's all I have too. <laughs> that was good. It was something for folks to think about. So other than that, folks, hey, make sure that you go and check out. I'm not going to, I don't want to mess up his Instagram page again. Wait a minute. Patrick Cares or- Orphanage Home, right? Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I, I closed my Instagram out, so I, I didn't have it right there in front of me. So yeah. Patrick, Patrick Cares Orf- Orphanage Home. Yeah, look Patrick, for that on Instagram. Patrick Cares Orphanage Home. So that's Cares with an S. Okay. All right. So yeah, go check that out. Follow him, folks, and support in any way that you can. Um, when you see the pictures, they'll, 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 they pretty much explain themselves, you know. So yeah. Well, I mean, I, I like I like the fact you know sometimes when people donate to charities, they're a little bit reluctant to say they did because they feel it comes off a little tacky, and I fully get that. 
But the thing is, is that I don't think there's anything wrong with talking about organizations you support because you spread awareness. You don't have to talk about the amounts you're donating because yeah, that's exactly. off like you're looking for a pat on the back. It's like, oh, wow, you're so generous. That, that's oh, a little bad. But if I, if me not talking about Patrick's orphan, if I didn't talk about it, then the three other people that follow me on Instagram who donated, they wouldn't have known about it. Yeah, I wouldn't have known about it, you know. So, yeah, now that you explain, I'm like, okay, because when you first showed it to him, I'm like, okay, is this the orphanage that your dad works with? And but now that you, after talking to you today, I'm like, okay, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go donate now, you know, because again, I want to make sure, okay, either is that who your dad worked with, or is this was this a scam that you came across, you know? Because it's the internet. I don't care who you are. It's the internet, and these, days, you know, it's a lot of shady people out there, you know, looking legit. But hey, man. So that's another thing. It's like, um, also, you got to look at your equity of the, your circle around you. Make sure you're around trustworthy people. I know Mike's not going to send me some bullshit to get scammed. I know he's going to vet it. He's going to vet it. And then, you know, I'm like, okay, cool. Then I'm going to check it out. But at the same time, I'm going to feel a little bit more confident by checking it out, knowing that, you know, he vouched for it. You know, because, hey, I, I know my circle of people. I don't have any bullshitters. I don't have any yes men around me. I have motherfuckers that they give it to you straight. Okay. And they also expect the same thing. So, you know, if you send me some bullshit, I'm going to let you know, like, man, you send me that bullshit ass site. What's the fuck wrong with you, man? <laughs> you know, so yeah, nobody wants to have to deal with that. So again, that's another thing, you know, check your circle, man. Make sure you don't have just a bunch of, you know, people pleasers around you because they'll never give you the truth when you need it <laughs> the most. So, yeah. So on that note, like I said, go make sure you go check out Patrick's um, Instagram page, follow him, please support and uh, same time, continue to follow us. You know, and, also, I mean, if you're still on the fence, just shoot him a private message. And when he explains what he's doing, I mean, it's rare that I can feel the sincerity in a message, but you really can with him. <laughs> you know? I mean, right. it really does come through. And if I'll take some screenshots and post that or put it in my stories, I think I've already put it in my stories, some screenshots. Take a look at that stuff and look at the, look how happy these kids are when they get what we would consider so little. I mean, if you gave right. a kid in America what they're eating, they would probably they they wouldn't be happy about it. They'd probably complain about it. But they they certainly wouldn't be as elated as these kids are. So it's I, I like supporting organizations where the money actually makes an impact. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of organizations where the first five hundred thousand dollars pays the fucking president's the CEO. Right. Yeah, you're the CEO of a nonprofit making five hundred thousand dollars. Come on. I don't care how much value you're bringing to the company. You know, that's way too much salary. And that's right. not even talking about all the shit you get behind the scenes. Don't kid yourself. Don't think that that's all this person's getting. Right. And then there's people like Ty Ritter where none of these guys take any money from donations. They all have day jobs. They all do this completely on there. A lot of times they, they take money from their day jobs to finance the missions because they're not getting enough fundraising at times. Right. Same thing like someone like Melia, Melia Kaplan takes $20,000 a year as her salary. And she lives in Los Angeles. So I mean, that's like taking $500. <laughs> that's like living off a thousand dollars a year, you know, in LA. <laughs> Nothing. And she's, and she works full time with voice for the animal. She used to be a teacher, but now she puts all of her time into this. And then someone like Patrick, hundred percent of donations. Now he's like, well, that's just what he's saying. I was like, all right, all right. You know what? I get it. I get, you got to be skeptical about things. But at some point in life, you have to trust as well. You have to believe that there's actually some good people out there with good intentions and support those people and, right. and ask them whatever question you need to ask to feel legit. But 
But don't kid yourself thinking that there aren't really good people out there doing really good things. And then it's, it's easy to say, oh, I don't know if this is legit so that you don't have to do anything so that you can just move on with your day and not feel bad about not, not making a donation. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. So and let's be honest. Final thing on this. A lot of people are going to think it's a scam. Guess why? Because it's an African guy in Africa. They're going to be like, oh, it's yeah. an Africa. That's already a scam alert already goes off. Now, that's always someone who's never been to anywhere in Africa who often right. think because uh, are there scam artists in those countries? Yeah. Just like there's scam artists here. There's scam but guess what? There are scam artists from this country that go over there to start charities and take that right. money and they build homes and buy real estate that they take from these people. Because I know this firsthand because my, oh, some of these people have these so-called, you know, mission trips. That's what they were doing behind the scenes. And the little rich kids from America going over there, Posting videos, look like you know taking their photo ops with these kids or whatever. But then, as soon as the cameras went off, you know they're sitting there <laughs> taking their land and sending these people on their way, or they're making them pretty much like a new form of slavery. They got them working for them, you know, for next to nothing, you know. But hey, you know, I'll give you like for every hundred dollars that we get from you know donation, we'll give you two, you know. And that's what they were doing. So. And they were they were Americans and then they were Australians and they were from like Europe or whatever. So so it's not just because, oh, well, that's a, probably an African guy's probably a scam. There are scammers everywhere, sometimes scamming on the very people you think are scamming. <laughs> so, yeah. So, again, like I said, at the end of the day, really do what you want. But I, the both of us feel like this is this is worth your time, you know, and and whatever you can do, you know, to donate you know, it'll be worth it. Yeah. It's just a really good feeling, man. When you help, when you're able to help people in need, it's, it's a really good feeling. When you're really helping any being in need is a really good right. feeling. Or helping any being that appreciates your help. Like that never sucks. I don't care who you are. When some, when you help to, to actually give of yourself again, being a person of value and it's actually appreciated and they're, they're humbled by it or whatever, dude, no one's losing in that situation. <laughs> You know, everybody's winning. Why would yeah. you not? Why would you not like that feeling? <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, this is the kind of thing. One of the I've never been a materialistic guy where I cared about. Honestly, I didn't. I never expected to even live at the level I live at now because that wasn't an aspiration of mine. I didn't really care to. But I've never been overly materialistic. But I. But I've always been motivated to make money for all the reasons we already discussed. Yep. But also to be able to help people in need. It's. It's a nice feeling when I come across someone like Patrick and I can actually do something about it. Because yeah. not everyone can. Some people are going, look, I'm barely making it each month. In fact, I'm in debt. And it's just and we get it. Yeah, and I get it. I understand that. I would never make someone feel bad about not making a donation. That's, not, that, that's a waste of time anyway. There's no point trying to make people feel guilty. But I always look at what the fuck can I do in any situation? Because that's where it starts. I'm not even going to tell anyone else or even recommend something to someone else until I'm do- unless I'm doing something about it. Like, right. No one's ever going to be like, hey, man, uh, I heard you don't donate to Project Child Save. You just tell other people about it. <laughs> I was like, well, <laughs> I don't know where you heard that. but <laughs> Exactly. It's like, have you actually talked to uh, the CEO? Have you ever talked to the, the, the founder? <laughs> he will tell you otherwise. <laughs> Straight right. up. Well, that's the cool thing about a lot of the nonprofits <clears throat> I support is that we've had most of those we, people. On exactly. And Ty's been on the show at half a dozen times. Yep. And you can you want to talk about hearing sincerity in someone's voice. You can Ooh. really hear his voice. Melia Kaplan too. You know yes. this 
talking about what she's doing. You listen to her talk. She's got fire, man. You know, she talks, she's got fire. You know, she's ferocious about helping animals. Awesome person. Yep. So we'll get Patrick on too, man. I think that would be cool. Oh yeah, that'd be dope. Good time. So cool. All right, folks. So yeah, that's gonna wrap it up for this week. And um we'll catch you guys on the next episode. Take care, everybody. <laughs> that wraps up this week's Live Life Aggressively show. Be sure to head over to MikeMahler.com and NewWarriorTraining.com. Use the coupon code LLA12 and receive 12% off of your total purchase at either of those websites. Also, for more personal protection tips, make sure you head over to NewWarriorDefense.com. Support the production of the Live Life Aggressively show by heading over to Patreon.com and becoming a patron. Simply go to Patreon.com slash LLA podcast. All Patreon subscribers receive Patreon-only access to our brand new show, Afterlife, which is a brand new behind-the-scenes episode that is not available to the public. Our Patreon subscribers also get to enjoy bigger discounts on all of our products by receiving Patreon-only discount codes beginning at 15% off on all products on MikeMahler.com and NewWarriorTraining.com. Don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Lastly, be sure to share the episode by following us on social media on Facebook as well as our new account on Instagram. Until the next episode, take care, everybody.